0: Music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's Matt Pinfield, and this is the Hivecast. And I'm here right now with one of my uh, one of my all time heroes. I've been a fan of his, you know, since I was a teenager. And you know, we both kind of grew up in that same era. And um, you know, been going to see him live, like I said, since I was a kid. And he's never disappointed. He's always kept evolving and changing. Uh, hence the changing man, great song. But we're here with Paul Weller right now. Paul, good to see you, man.
1: Good to see you, too, man. Yeah.
0: You know, it's amazing that you know. As we record this, we're coming up on the 35th anniversary of the first time you came to New York City to play with the Jam at CBGBs. What was that experience like for you, Paul, to come to America for the first time? I know you were such a was, big-
1: wow, mind blowing. You know, because um, you know, after sort of as a kid growing up and uh, and seeing America from a farm, being so influenced by the music. And uh, like I was saying to someone yesterday, you know, even things like sort of DC comics and Marvel comics and all that, it's just kind of seeing the skyscrapers in films and all that. So it was kind of, um, it was a big moment you yeah, had to come here to actually come to to your shores. And the gigs were, we did two nights at CBGBs, and we did two shows a night as well. We did like an early set and then a later one,
0: like a midnight show or something, right? Yeah,
1: something like that. Yeah, and. Uh, which was just weird, yeah. I mean, I kind of I don't know what we were expecting, but I mean, it was, you know, like playing in a bar, which we were used to doing, obviously. But then we, you know, it was great. We met, like, some of the Ramones came by. We met them. We met some of Blondie. But it was a pretty magical time, really, yeah. Yeah, I and know. I couldn't get a drink, man. I was still, I was still too young to get served. Really? You yeah. couldn't get a drink here? Like I yeah, was would, 21, was or whatever. It was. So yeah. I was only 19 when I came here. Yeah, so they was, were like, you know, they would they right, would, yeah. let you, they they would let you. Let
0: Hilly show. and the people there yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't let you have a drink there? What was so that show? How long did you play for? Was it like an hour
1: or? Uh? I don't even think we managed an hour in them days because it was so fast. You know, yeah, like probably maybe I don't know, forty minutes, forty-five minutes because it was everything it was just <laughs> cut off one, two, three, four, and off you went. you know? Yeah, like a train, like an express train.
0: It's amazing. And what other show did you play? California, the same tour that you did, did there.
1: Uh, yeah, we did. We did Boston, New York, and we did the whiskey in L.A. and we did San Francisco. I can't remember where that what the venue was. And the same deal was well, we did two nights in each place and, and two shows at night.
0: It's amazing, you know, um, the other day I was, I was on a plane and I was listening to Fly from All Khans and just what a beautiful song that is, but I was thinking about, in that period of time, going you know, from In The City to This Is The Modern World, and then All Mod Khans was a kind of a real turning point for you. <laughs> it was a
1: breakthrough that? record, really, for us, yeah.
0: yeah I mean, we
1: were kind of on dodgy ground after the second album, which was hastily made and not particularly inspiring. And, you know, and of course, these days you, we would have been dropped, you know. Yeah. So, But we were lucky at the time we came up in because we had a chance to make our third album and we got it right, you know, and that was the turning point. And because of its success, critically and, and commercially, but it made me start taking what I did seriously. I just thought I was, there's a bit more to songwriting and, uh, and that was kind of it really after that, you know. I kind of, sort of took myself seriously and uh, tried to make a craft and a life out of it all, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, there was like a different version of uh, of All oh My Cons, wasn't there? There was actually, yeah. you guys had put some of the things that ended up on some of the B-sides, like, you know, Andy and Uncles and mm. that stuff was there, and then you you changed it for other songs at that time. So, you know, when you look back yeah. in that period of time to, to release a single like Down at the Tube Station at Midnight,
1: which was a really, if it, it's a very stark,
0: dangerous song. Mm. And to have that become really kind of your first big hit at that point in time, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know where yeah, it was kind of a hit of, of kinds. It was in the top 20 or something. But it was, yeah, it, was a, it was a very unusual song to have in the charts anyway, you know. But I think, you know, again, it was for whatever they're worth or not, but a lot of the kind of critical, the reviews of the record were really strong and um, people started to take us seriously as a band and, and me as a lyricist and songwriter, you know. I mean, we're dealing with quite heavy subjects, really, for better better expression for pop music, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was a heavy song. It's, a, it's got a very scary end to it, lyrically, mm. the whole thing about, you know, being assaulted, keys taken, and knowing that these characters are going to go to his home where his wife is. It's just it's a scary end to a song, but a great song, nonetheless. Mm. Now, at that point in time, then things started to really explode for you as a songwriter in the jam, and going underground and Dreams of Children, going right in at number one on the charts, and yeah. then start, and then, from that moment on, really... I mean it was non-stop, what was that feeling like for you when, when you saw that that England had really warmed to the band and you'd be, become embraced by the audiences there?
1: Well it was amazing you know, but it, but I think what was also good about it was that it was gradual you know, Like it wasn't like it was just, you know, it happened overnight, because we've been working towards this for a long, long time you know, and it was the culmination of all that hard work and uh, building a following and you know consistently good tunes I think, and I think it's fair to say you know. We put a lot of singles out up until that point, up until going underground. A lot of them weren't on albums as well. It was still back in the day when you did non-album singles. And Had they're great, great ones, like
0: When You're Young and all those songs. Yeah, Strange is you know,
1: a pretty great record. Of yeah, there. But, um, so but you know, it felt like the combination of everything we'd done in the three years or whatever it was before that, you really just kind of felt we were working towards this thing, you know. And then it took off, you know, and it became something much bigger than what we ever anticipated. And I think it's also... It's funny now when I look back on film footage of that time because when I see the audience, we we were pretty young, but the audience were really young. They were like sort of twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old kids, you know, proper school kids. And it's great to see that, you know, was kind of there was that real devotion and passion in what we were doing and our audience, and it was very, even today and every probably almost every day of my life since that time, you know, I've always bumped into people in their sort of late forties or my age, fifties. And it would just say, Oh, I going to see you. I remember seeing you at wherever the gig it was. <laughs> yeah, or you know. really. oh, telling me how much a record, certain record meant to him. You know, which is a beautiful thing, really. But I think it's, I think also the Jam's music, apart from it being good songs and good tunes, it's endured because I think we left it at the right time as well, you know. We yeah. We've got t- 25, 30 years from then till now of us doing sort of, you know, so-so records. We finished at the right time, I think. Even though people were disappointed at the time, but I think it was. One of the reasons why we've endured and it's and it's lasted
0: yeah it's a great collection of music and the Mm. songs are they've obviously meant a lot to people like myself um and at that let's go back to you growing up as a kid in woking Mm. uh that part of england which is not that far from uh reading where the reading festival is right it's it's about what is about 40 minutes outside of there a bit longer maybe Yeah. yeah what was it like in the town where you grew up
1: it was a very dull little suburban town i mean i'm sure there's an equivalent in america wasn't that far from London, but it was far enough from London to be pretty unhip, really. And um, <laughs> but having said that, the kind of that sort of there's a lot of suburban images that I still use in my songs now that will always return to me. So it was kind of half, um, you know, there was a kind of town side to it. I wouldn't kind of call it urban, but it was a town side to it, and there was also this also very lovely sort of countryside to it as well. Kind of there's a lot of suburbia in in England, and. So it was a great place to grow up, up until the time I was a teenager, and then it was extremely dull, and I couldn't wait to get to London, because I thought that's where everything was happening, you know, the gigs were happening, the fashion scene and the whole, everything. But growing up, you know, I spent most of my time either looking through the window at the two boutiques, as they called them, the two clothes shops, there was only two in Woking, or the rest of my time in the two of the record shops that were in the town as well. Yeah. So it was always just clothes and music for me, there was... And, and you know it was a, of that time in the 70s there wasn't really anything else you know there was only there was really only music and football and that was it really yeah you know? there wasn't any other distractions or any alternatives that was the things that you're into and if you're into a band or a football team those things defined you they defined who you were you know
0: yeah and who were you, you loved the Beatles of course as a kid who Manfred, and and
1: that. Yeah, the
0: I know the Beatles are still one of your favorite bands of all time what were were those some of the first records you were listening to back then Paul
1: yeah, it would have been the Beatles, yeah. I mean basically my mum was she was a very young mum, she I mean, she was like eighteen, so she would have been buying singles and stuff and um but yeah, the earliest music I can remember was definitely the Beatles and uh, Roy Orbison, Elvis. And then okay, I suppose a little bit later on, just the kind of sort of pop hits of the time, you know, loving Spoonful to the Kinks to The small faces, uh, the stones, obviously, you know, but wh- whatever was in the charts, man, yeah. you know. So, would I be playing the singles that my mum had bought on our old fashioned radiogram, which was like a very old record player, yeah, or um, or the radio, you know?
0: Well, at that point, were you listening to some of the stations, the pirate stations that were out there? I mean, it, or was no, it BBC? I BB was too
1: young, I missed all that, you know, I'd be too young to even be aware of it, to be honest. So, I don't know what I, I suppose must have been Radio One, yeah, which started in '67. But, yeah, with uh, the move. Uh, <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, flowers in the rain. Yeah. yeah. Um So I guess it would have been from that. It's
0: amazing though when you when you think about how much time that's been. Now, when you decided to break out and do the style council, and uh, tell me wh- about that period. Was there a time in particular that you realised you know what I, I got to stop the jam thing out there? I want to explore something else. What was?
1: Yeah, I just thought it came to its Um, it just came to an end for me. And I, d- I just didn't want to continue. You know. And I felt bad because I knew it was going to upset a lot of people, band included. And uh, but you know you have to be true to yourself, really. And I just thought I can't really continue with this. And and I I wanted to go off and do something else and find out who else I could be, and what else I could do in life. And um, I was still a young man, you know. I was only twenty-three, twenty-four. So, but I'd been with the Jam, you know. Even though we hadn't been making records that long, but I'd been with them since the time I was fourteen. You know, it's a long time—ten years of my life, really. So. You know it needs to go off and do something else you know and uh like any sort of change in life it upsets a lot of people at first but it's ultimately good for people i think
0: yeah, yeah. it i mean it is and you needed to do that anyway yeah you think you know it's fun i don't know if I ever told you this but my well i've been married and divorced twice but my first wedding song was but you're the up. best thing <laughs> it was played yeah. i remember and the guy started it on the record on 45 on the album so all of a sudden we're gonna to have to have the first dance and, going, dee, 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 and then it slowly slows it down and stops it he was already half in the bag you know he was hammered at the time i think but um yeah it's amazing looking back on that now you've started uh, incorporating some of the, some of those old style council songs back in the set like shout to the top which which is yeah, yeah. well i don't
1: do too many of them actually but yeah. um yeah, we have done in recent years we've done a few yeah i have a problem with doing older songs it is not really because i i have to sort of feel some connection with the song to be able to do it justice and it's difficult sometimes because my head's always into what i'm doing at the time the new stuff you know which is
0: um, you know i mean i i love the fact that you've been doing that you've been it's been 20 years now since you went solo right is it? yeah so you, yeah. here we are on the 11th studio album which congratulations entered the charts at number one
1: in england which yeah, i was exactly. so happy
0: to see does it blow your mind sometimes thinking, man, I, it's, I've already made 11 records from that very first solo album.
1: Well, you know, you know how quick it all goes. Life goes anyway. I mean, I can't so sit here and talk about 35 years ago when the first time I played New York. I mean, it's yeah. just like, what is it? You know, it's just gone like, like that, you know. So I never count the years All the records. That they yeah. just fly. Yeah. They just come out of you, which yeah. is
0: which is a really cool thing. Now, on Wake Up the Nation, you'd work with Bruce Foxen again on, on, on one track, which uh, yeah. or two tracks, was it? Two tracks, yeah. 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 And that, how was that experience?
1: It was good. It was fun, actually. Yeah, it was obviously the just the right time in our lives to um, to get back in touch, and because um, you'd just, lost your dad at that point. Lost my dad, and Bruce lost his wife. You know, yeah, and um, and that's why I got in touch, back in touch with him to see how his wife was doing before she passed away. So you know, it kind of sort of broke the ice between us, really. And and, we, and since then we've been sort of talking and just be friends again, you know. And um, but yeah, it just I don't know. Well, I mean, the two songs in question, but they. When we were working on the backing track, I just thought Bruce would be great on these, you know He started fast car slow you know? traffic, right? Yeah. So he was kind of perfect for his style, you know, so he's the right man for the job But it was it was funny. you know, it wasn't really uh, it wasn't awkward in any way We had a laugh doing it and we didn't sort of dwell too much on the past We just spoke about what we're up to now, you know,
0: yeah, which is what you've always done You've never been a guy big on nostalgia. That's you one know, thing that you really said not. to me uh, a couple of years back You said, you know because people always ask you would you reform any of those bands and you're like mm-hmm. no i'm living in today which mm-hmm. is the most important thing let's talk about sonic kicks yeah. it's a it's a perfect title for the album because you, i mean you look at the sounds and the things there's buzzing guitars on there there's since there's so much stuff happening mm-hmm. what were you listening to uh when you started working on the tracks were you listening to
1: um i don't know if i was listening to anything particularly i mean apart from the fact i listened to music non-stop but I can't say that there was one particular style of music I mean I think the only kind of maybe definite influence would be I listened to a lot of electronic avant-garde music most of it I couldn't even tell you what it's called because it was like sort of compilations that, that my wife bought me
0: so I'm like you know Krauts rock stuff you know a bit of that yeah but
1: yeah. I mean I kind of I got into listening to Neu a 70s German band called Neu, Yeah, who only made about three three or records I think but I really really liked that and I got into that and I got into that through um a, someone a reviewer a critic mentioned that one of my tracks on a previous record sounded like noise so I, thought, oh, I better go and check it out then. something from wake up the nation he was talking about it before that oh one, yeah, actually. yeah yeah the, whatever the record 22 dreams yeah and, um, but yeah I liked it you know so I guess there's a bit of that influence in there this kind of electronic music I listen to I think there's a little bit of that in it but I kind of uh, you know it's like I listen to so many different styles of music you know but I guess they all get filtered through in some way but not always in a sort of ob- very obvious way, in lots of different ways, I think. And I'm just constantly influenced by lots of things. Yeah.
0: You know? Well, it comes out in your music. It's like synthesized through you, the way yeah. that you work. And that's why the records have always kept evolving. And I just think okay, it,
1: yeah.
0: it's a great it's a great thing. How old are your kids now, Paul?
1: They range from 24. Yeah. My son was 24 last week, <coughs> to my youngest, who were four months, just over four months. They're wow. twins, our twin, two twin boys. who we were called John, Paul, and Bowie.
0: Really? Are they? Yeah. That's their names? That's great.
1: Yeah,
0: I love I love those. kids. great. 24 how many kids are there all together Paul? They're five seven. seven. It's amazing. It's great yeah. though. Well they must be proud and seeing all the great stuff that uh, you've done and
1: yeah, both for their proud because I'm a good dad as well. That's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, it is. It really is. Paul, listen. Thanks so much for coming by. Always a pleasure, man. Um, just want to say it was great to see you again. It always is. Thank you, Sonic Kicks is the new album from Paul Weller, and uh, you should definitely pick it up. It's out on Yep Rock now. <laughs> This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events,
1: and more, go to mtvhive.com.